Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your host. Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our uh, Andy Gallo, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Andy, um, where did it all begin for you? It looks like you've written three books this year. Um, how did how did writing start for you? Uh, so, it's kind of a misnomer because I actually have written been published author for ten years now, with almost ten years for my, with my fantasy books. Um, it all started on Gay Authors website, and I'll plug them because they've been really amazing for helping you know um lgbtq authors get started um i just i needed a hobby i I literally needed a hobby that would occupy me at night because i don't like television and uh, my husband said you've always wanted to write why don't you do it so i started writing for him and uh that's where it started Hmm. now you write um all fiction right it's all it's all like fantasy and fiction no, nothing true. Correct. Nothing is true. There are some <laughs> elements of it, but nothing is true. No. So well, that's interesting because you come from um, your your profession work has always been in law enforcement. So it's interesting how you go from um, dealing with real life and uh, crime and all these things, and then you're writing into fiction. So uh, how how did that happen? Why didn't you choose the true crime, for instance? You know, it, it's interesting because once upon a time I, I, I wrote something on the gay author's website and there was a crime in it, a, like a serious crime in it. It was a hate crime. And everybody knew what I did in real life. And so they were all like, well, what would the trial look like? So I wrote it. And I have to tell you, it is not, it's not interesting. I mean, it really isn't. It's not like, it's really hard to write good crime fiction because, you know, we get so tied up in the minutiae. You know, it's an opening statement can be 45 minutes long. Can you imagine writing a 45 minute opening statement in a book? I mean, people would be asleep after page five. So it, it to me, it wasn't it wasn't that fun either. I, I do it all the time. I've, I've sat down on how many 
hundreds of times to write opening or closing arguments. Uh, I needed a break. It needed something different. If I wanted to do that, I'd just go pick up, just go ask somebody else to let me try their case for them. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, It's too much of the same maybe too, right? Uh, um, It's interesting. So now what, what is your main focus when you write fiction? Like what's the, what's the main thing you're writing about now? So I originally started doing fantasy just because I was always like a giant Tolkien fan and uh, the old high fantasy, which is really kind of out of favor these days. Um, and But I also wanted to write gay characters because as a gay man, it was the one story I remember was Mercedes Lackey's um, Magic's Promise. And so it was the four, it was a three-book series with um, Valdemir and Vaniel. And I just thought that that was such a great thing because I remember reading it when I was in my 20s I was in my early 20s and I was just coming out and I was like wow she got it she gets us it's like that's me except he's a wizard and he's really powerful Um, so I wanted to do something like that and so I started doing that with fantasy and then I realized I really wanted to I I read some of these contemporary gay stories out there and I didn't really like them they're always like people were dying Um, I remember when I was in college and law school going to Giovanni's room, which is I think still there in Philadelphia, and picking up some books and going through them, and they were all dreadfully um, somber. You know, people dying. It was there, you know I came out when it was right around the right around the start of the AIDS epidemic, and people were writing books about survivors and things like that. And I wanted to write something different. So for me, the focus is positive characters, where. If it's at all possible, it's as little so it's not really that big of a deal. So, for example, I have in my fantasy characters happen to be gay, but it's not a it's not a major point of their life. It's not a major plot element. Right. And even for the gay romance, which is under the Andy Gal Andy Gala books, the fact that the person is gay isn't that big a deal. It's really just two people trying to get together. They could be two women. They could be two men. So it's the same. Mm. So, so you have a lot more content in that way. Uh, the fact of being gay is just more of a, just another element. Yeah, I've been really, really, really lucky in my life. Um, parents didn't. My parents didn't blink. My work didn't blink uh, when they when they found out. Never really been in my life, at least. It's never been. It's just there. It's no different than when my brother got married. I could, we, my my husband, and I got married. My brother was there, my best man. When my brother got married, I was his best man. It, it's it's just never been a big deal. It's just a part of who I am, and and I, I guess I'd like to convey more of that. So I've been very lucky that that's how my life has been, and I like to see that you know people can. I'd like to have it so that people could see that. It is possible to do that. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be as horrible as it is at the moment for them. If that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly it's certainly kind of in a weird state right now. But I think that um, I'm about the same age, a little bit older. But I uh, I grew up between Canada and the U.S. And on the Canadian side, it was no big deal and nobody cared. On the American side, it could be a problem. So I think it's just depending on what area you're in really um that's interesting so so what made you get into um law enforcement um i i like to argue um <laughs> i do it's, it's just how it is and if i don't know how much i don't know how, i don't i don't know the canadian system that well in the american system the people that go to court the most are the criminal people the criminal lawyers um for civil lawyers you can be two three years on one case and never see the inside of a courtroom. I'm in the courtroom like every day. Even right now, I'm in virtual courtrooms. But before that, we were in court. We're in court every day. I like that element. I like that. Yeah, you know, this kind of goes back to something we touched on before um, we came on the air. For me, I, I'm I'm still old school. Uh, I had paper files. I liked the whole concept of here's your case. Go try the case. And so for me, thinking on my feet and being able to process what comes in and push it out in a way that makes sense, to me that was always that was that was what I liked doing. And um, so I had internships when I was in law school. I did some with civil. I did some with criminal. 
and I did one with the U.S. Attorney's Office in with the city I went to school in, and I just found I liked it, and that was what I was good at, and that's where I've been ever since. And so I'm not with the U.S. Attorney's Office, but um, I did an internship with them, but I've been a local prosecutor now for almost 25 years. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I, no, I think uh, they're similar. Uh, you know, the Canadian and American systems are similar, but I think the Canadian system is a little more protective and more private and definitely under-policed, whereas uh, in America I find it to be over-policed and over-court too much, too much. Um, it's com They're opposite in that direction, but I don't think they're too much different on how they how they try these cases. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've done 16 true crime books in my life now, and um, it's it's it, I don't find a huge difference in the process. Okay, but but, but you know some some subtle differences. Um, that's that's interesting that you um, it, it, so and you get into writing. Do you think there's a real? Um, is it hard to write as a gay author, or do you think it's it's pretty common now? I think it it's interesting because in like gay romance. I don't know the percentages, but it's extremely high. Most of the authors are women. Um, and there's very few male romance authors. Huh. So it, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to say. Is it hard? No. But you also have to remember that the vast majority of the readers are women. And, and they have a different... They have a different desire, need, or want in their books. And I don't know that I always have that finger on the pulse for them all the time. So that's hard. That's what makes it hard for me is because readers are, I am not my own reader, if that makes sense. Right. Well, what do you think is drawing um, all of these females to read about two men in a romance situation and even write about it? You know, I've asked other people that and other women, and, you know, it... It, I don't know that anybody has a really great answer. I think people step into it, they see it, and they like it. And, you know, I have to say, um, there's two camps on this. Some people are, some, some gay men are, like, very upset that the majority of authors are women, and others are great. I'm happy to have them. I'm kind of in that second camp because they really did bring it to them. I don't want, it's not mainstream, so to speak, because male, female, you know, the, this, the heterosexual romance is just a huge industry compared to uh, gay gay romance. But without them, without people like you know all these top selling female authors, it wouldn't be even as much as it is now. And so, I think they do it because they enjoy the romance. It's slightly different than the male female. There is definitely a different dynamic between two men versus a man and a female. Um, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I see this more now that I'm a father and I have a daughter. The, 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 there is a huge amount of sexism still in our society. And, you know, if a female is strong, she's bossy or she's, you know, a derogatory term. Whereas if one of the two guys is bossy or dominant, it's sexy in gay romance. And so... I think that there's that dynamic there and um, that they like, that there's no there's no labels on it. I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of my own theory. Hmm. But you I, know, I ask, I ask a lot of writers that, and I, I heard once uh, an answer that sort of sticks with me, that when you have two men in a romance and, and in a book, in a setting where you're writing about it, it tends to be more intimate, and a lot of straight women especially – don't find that in their men um, in in their in their world uh, a lot of the men that they're married to are not as let's say romantic or intimate um, word wise okay that makes so sense. I, that would, that's you know. kind of what I was that's kind of a little bit where I was going with it that there's not that there's a different dynamic between men and women yeah yeah and yeah, it's not the Fabio thing. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's really not. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so. Uh, now, you, you said you were writing about um, some some more um, 
not so much romance before this. It was more fantasy. Um, what do you get the most sat- satisfaction out of? It's hmm, it, I like them both, to be honest. I wouldn't do them both if I didn't. They're, they're, they're very different exercises because in romance, it is really all about hitting the tropes because romance reading is really comfort reading. You don't read a romance to see the main character die horribly anymore. Um, that's the tragic gay literature from the 70s and 80s. So it is very much, you know, you've got to hit that happy ever after. You can have some twists and turns, but at the end of the day, your two main characters had better be together, otherwise you're going to, you know, it's just not going to be satisfying to the reader. So the hard part of that is finding things that are different because, you know, every story has been told, every trope's out there sort of thing. So you've got to put your own spin on it. So that to me is satisfying when you get people to come back and say, wow, I really, really like this one. And whereas with fantasy, creating the whole world from scratch and having people come back and go, wow, I really felt like I was there. That to me is what's satisfying. So they're different, different things for different spots, you know, different sides. I have, I really like them both about the same. Hmm. So now you, these three books you've written, um, it's uh, better be sure, better have heart, and better be true. And now they were all put out a month apart. It looks like so. Now that that obviously is a part of a series, then. Correct. So what's the what's maybe what's the premise of this with three, three books like this? So there, the the interesting thing is the only there's only two the only connection to the, the among the three well there's it's a there's no common trope between all three of them so like book one which started it is more of a um, out for you so to speak if you're talking about the tropes. The main char- one main character is out, one main character is not. Uh, one main character is still in school, one p- main character is working. Um, the main character is in school, is that a, you know, we kind of made the school up, but it, in my mind it was one of those mainline schools in Philadelphia, like, like Swarthmore or Bryn Mawr or Haverford, where, you know, it, it took more money than my father made in a year for me to go there if I was going to go. Um, and so those kind of things. And so that was like the first book. And then the second book, we really shifted and we started to really hit the tropes that people wanted. So the second book is enemies to lovers and uh, rich, rich, poor, rich guy, poor guy. And so that's sort of thing. And then in book three and, and then book three, it was fake boyfriends and um, close proximity, shared bed, that kind of thing. And the only connection is, is they all all the main characters. At least one of the main characters in all three of the books went to this fictional university that we created, which is Harrison Campus. Harrison University, which is Harrison Campus, where King's from. So um, they're all very much in the standard MM romance, happy ever after, that kind of thing. Hmm. So now, now, if I'm right, you write with a co-writer. Um, and I think you were saying um, that they live in Germany. So is that is that true? And how how does that work when you write with someone that lives in a different country? So Anita and I, Anita Sunday is my co-author. Anita and I met on the Gay Authors website 10 years ago. And Better Be Sure was actually better to lose when we started it. We wrote it together for a contest on the website that won. And so that was sort of the genesis of that idea. And interestingly when we started writing that she lived in germany then her husband got transferred to pittsburgh which is a four and a half hour drive from where i live in maryland and um she would she spent a couple weekends like her and her husband would come down and they would spend the weekend with my husband and i and she had her child at the she had one son at the time now she has two and so when we first started writing it was okay, we had this six-hour time difference, and then we were, like, in the same time zone, and then we were actually even in, you know, driving distance. So that really cemented our working partnership. And then we both kind of split off in different, um, and went different directions. I went straight fantasy, and um, that's when I mean, straight fantasy is the wrong word. I mean, I went into just fantasy without the romantic element, and she went into romance, about three years ago, we got back to 
you know, we started just kicking this around because, like, I really wanted this story to get out. We we had a lot of fun working on it. It was sort of like my, for lack of a better term, coming out into publishing. And I said, why don't we just do it? And she's like, okay, but you can't do just one. It has to be more. You have to have, like, you have to hook people into it. You have to give people a reason to buy all three. So we set out to do three-book series. And so the reason we had them come out like bing, 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 like one back after the other was because we had spent a year and a half writing and editing and getting ready, getting them all together before we um, put the first for Better Be Sure came out so that we could have Better Have Heart, which was the second book, and then Better Be True come out like right away to give people a really good sense of what the series was like and how we are together as a writing team because we're very different. Right, different points of view here. What, what so? What do you um, when you have characters? Uh, where do they come from for you? Like, where where does a character that you create and write about uh, come from? Is it like complete imagination, or is it someone you've known, or maybe someone you see in a coffee shop once talking, or someone you've worked with and and it, and it sparks that character? Or explain your process there. So it's very, uh, you, I think, I don't know if you asked me before or online or when we we're offline, did I ever write about true characters? And so the, the two main characters in Better Be Sure are Jack, Jackson Murphy, and Edward Knowles. And Ed is sort of an ex-boyfriend of mine, sort of. Um, when I had my first job out of law school, I worked in a small county in Pennsylvania. And I met this guy who was a heating and cooling guy. And he, I mean, I, I won't give you his name or anything, but he just really rocked my world. I just, and then he went, then he went back to his girlfriend. So that ended that really quick. <laughs> but um, that was the genesis for Edward Knowles. I mean, Edward Knowles is a heating and cooling guy working his way through college. Um, and so that's where that one came from. Uh, book two, one of the main characters is um, uh, Darren Gage is the, is a is the Darren Gage the fifth and his great 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 grandfather founded Mid Atlantic Standard Oil, right? Uh, which is just a made up kind of like Shell Oil at the time, or um, which was out in Pennsylvania. But I actually met a guy who was this, an an heir of the Sunoco, you know, the, the Sunoco family, the Pew family, and hey, um, I didn't go out with him. He. Uh, he and I didn't didn't fit, even though he wanted me to, wanted me to go with him in his helicopter. Uh, <laughs> which is a really interesting story. It's like somebody wanted to take me in a helicopter, and I said no because he was also doing cocaine, and I was like, "Dude, I'm a prosecutor. <laughs> uh, just bad optics there." Yeah. Um, and uh, but that's kind of where the genesis for that character came from. And then in book three, uh, better better be true. Nico Amato family owns a bakery in Brooklyn. Well, my great grandfather, when he emigrated from Italy, had a bakery in, in Brooklyn. Now it didn't survive. My great, my great grandfather retired from it and my grandfather never took over. And in the book, the, the, the bakery took off and is like one of those Italian bakeries. And so, so Nico is roughly based on some elements of it that I would say are my life, but very few, but, but it's, I don't know how much you know, the whole New York Italian experience. And there's a line in the book where Nico says, I was 16 and still thought that you called prosciutto brajut. And, and, and it's like, yeah, that was me. That was how it was. I was 16 years old when I finally realized that some of these words that my family used for things didn't exist. And so that was sort of like one of the key elements of that book. So, so a lot of it comes from like different, you know, genesis of, the characters come from different aspects of my life, I would say. Hmm. But, how, how, but how do you develop that? Like, so when, you know, the, the cocaine starting helicopter flyer, um, you only know a certain amount about that person. And uh, so you move on and you're writing. How, how do you know how that character is going to act and react throughout the story? So I would not say in any way Darren Gage is, 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 is mirrored after this person I met. It was just the concept of a person from a uh, uh, like a Rockefeller, so to speak, or a, right, right. And so this was like somebody who's, but 
um, it was kind of almost like Getty Oil, you know, like in the, in the 70s and 80s, John Paul Getty owned the company basically, right? Um, before it merged into something else. And so this was sort of like Mid-Atlantic Standard Oil was sort of like an amalgamation of Sunoco and Getty and Mobile with Pew, um, Rockefellers and stuff. So Darren is nothing like that person, but the concept of like where would he live and what would his family be like and where would, you know, what would the company, how would it, you know, have evolved. So those kind of things kind of mirror like reality, but they're really not. So it was just sort of like a, here's a character and write a story for him. And so. Hmm. So what, what, so what do you um, find the best part of publishing is right now? The experience of publishing books. What, what's your favorite part of it? Favorite part is like, so I, I recently took all five of my fantasy books and put it into like a box set. And I've had people write to me and tell me how much they enjoy it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I don't make, I don't make bank on this. I'm not retiring. Um, hopefully I make enough money that I can just put it aside for my daughter to go to college with, you know, and it won't even pay for college. Um, but it's, it's really hearing from people that say, I know it sounds very cliched, but it, it really is just an amazing feeling that somebody writes to you and says, wow, I really related to that book. I really liked that book. Your world building was great. Or this book was really sweet. I really enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down. It, 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 that to me is, you know, if you're not going to make Nora Roberts money, right? You're not going to have $400 million and own your own town in mid, middle, middle, middle of Maryland. That's about the next best thing you can have is to have people is to know that you've actually had people like what you're doing and they have like it enough to tell you. I mean, how many times do you like something but never tell them versus take the time to sit down at your computer and write to that person and say, hey, what you did, that was great. I really enjoyed it. So it's really about interaction, about people reading and, and, and your feet and kind of feedback. So what happens when you get kind of a negative one? I don't read them anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't because, I mean, I, this isn't something that happened to me, but I remember like, a friend of mine who lives in Maryland up, was complaining because people were giving her guff about something she put in a book. And they're like, that couldn't happen. And she's like, Somebody, you know, her one of her gay friends said that happened to them. It's a real something, right? And it, it, you know, it's it, it's funny. Like I will say that, like I've had people, I've had the people say that, like, oh, I've gotten dinged for my editing. It's like, did you hire an editor? Yeah, three. So, you know, you're never going to please everybody. You just can never go into this thinking that everybody's going to love your book, and. I mean, I've read books that people rave about, and I'm like, eh, I can't read this. <laughs> so I, 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 I take it with a grain of salt. I don't, unless, unless it's a personal attack, and it, I've not really had any of those. I just have to, just have to, you, know, you have to go back to, you can't please everybody with your book. Your book is never going to get a hundred percent approval rating, and just yeah. look to see the ones that do like it. Yeah, that's probably true, right? Yeah, you can't please everyone with everything you do, right? It's just not going to happen. Like, go look at Tolkien. Go look at Harry Potter. Look at how many one-star reviews there are. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right, right. I mean, like Potter, um, Tolkien, right? Like one star, you're going to give the Lord of the Rings one star. Why? You know, because it just it just rubs somebody the wrong way. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah. I get them all the time. Um, I'm always rubbing the wrong way. <laughs> but as an author, you know, you can't, you, you write the story you feel, you write the story you see, you write the story you want, and then you hope that more people like it than not. And so what's, it, you know. what's more important to you? Is it the actual story or the content of the story, or is it perhaps the, the literature itself? I, the first, so just to go, it sort of like gives you the um, progression here. When we wrote Better Be Sure, it is more literary fiction than romance fiction. And what I mean by that is we were very we were very conscious when we wrote that book that we had a main romance. We had a sub-romance between the main characters like Foster Brother and his girlfriend. Then there was another friend that she found a boyfriend. You know, so there were a lot of these little subplots in it. 
We only did it from one perspective. We only did it from Jackson's perspective, not from Ed's. And it was very literary. And it didn't get very, it didn't, it got the worst reviews of the three books because it wasn't romancy enough, as I would put it. So for me, it's telling a story in the way that the audience wants it. And if I can't do that, I'm not going to write it. Um, so for example, head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Fantasy is very different from writing romance. Romance is very formulatic. There's a trope. There, are, you know, you meet, they meet, they fall in love, something happens, they resolve it, they live happily ever after, which is a real oversimplification. In fantasy, it can be any number of things, and the main character could even die, right? Like in, you know, in Star Wars, um, Obi Wan Kenobi dies. Not the main character, but he was like a beloved character. Dumbledore dies. Actually, I'm probably spoiling it for people now who haven't seen either of those. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I haven't spoiled that for anybody. Maybe you can edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, let's spoil it. But, uh, <laughs> well, the point is, is that they're just different. So for me. It's getting the story I want out in a form that people want to want to consume it. So, besides the story um, in itself, um, when you write these books, or when the two of you write the books, um, is there a message or something you want people to take away from the book besides the story? So far, I couldn't say no. Um, no overt message. I mean, the only thing we really tried to do with the series was to make sure that it was written in a positive way so that um, if if by chance younger gay men see it or read it, they can see themselves in it maybe. Um, but it, I'm not very, in my writing life, I'm not very activist. Right. So, I mean, I could, um, but for the most part, I, I don't believe that there's a greater message. Uh, and at least there wasn't when I, you know, there wasn't a conscious one when we wrote it, other than, as I said, that it's, there's nothing wrong with being gay. 
So now, um, it's really interesting. So, but um, so, what do you, what do you do for um, inspiration? So when you're at a point where you're not really um, writing, or you're having kind of a block, or anything like that, um, what's kind of ins- you know inspiration for you? So I'll give you two examples because that has come up recently. Um, so when I finished Champion of the Gods under Andrew Andrew Q. Gordon, I really didn't see a second. I didn't see a continuation of the universe, which disappointed a lot of people who were fans. And one of the fan, one of the people who has been in contact with me since the beginning sent me the genesis of a whole new story. And for me, the problem was, how do you not jump the shark, right? So, for example, the main character saves the world in, in, the, in the original series. And how do you top that, right? You have the ultimate bad guy. You have, you know, you have the, the Sauron, so to speak, of your world, and you defeat him. What do you do for an encore, right? And so this person actually gave me a really good idea, and we're actually going to, he's going to help me, he's going to like consult with me when I write it. You know, he, he helped me see beyond my own limitations. And my own limitations were, how do you have another epic situation without like re you know, saving the world again right the same way and his response was don't make it more character driven make it less make the stakes less grand for the world but more dire for the individual so to speak and so narrow it down to like what would happen if they fail and so it's actually a really neat storyline so i want to i want to take it and run with it for the other stuff for like my romance and stuff see that's really difficult because i have 101 different characters i could write about and half of them have just truly mundane lives sort of like my own i get up i go to work i take care of my kid my husband and i are together we walk the dogs it, you know it's, it's not hollywood it's, you know, you're not going to put the two of us on the front page of, like, you know, in a movie and say, wow, this is exciting. They're going to be like, okay, that's what we do at home, right? And people don't want to buy that. People don't want to buy their own life. They want to buy something that's more fantastic so that they can escape into that story. And so what happened was we were looking for where to go with the series after book three. And we tried to do something, and I have to tell you, it was, it was I couldn't, I, I, I thought it was dreadful. I just couldn't write it. And so Anita and I got on this, on a Skype call, and we've had three of them since then, and we finally hashed out where you can get a story that we have, we both like. And so where do you get information? We kind of brainstormed. We kind of pulled it together. And like I would throw out some little thing, and she'd be like, no, but what about, and then we'd go from there, and then we'd be like, well, what do you think of that? I'm like, well, that's good, but what if we did this? And so that's where the inspiration comes. I mean, it really is a very, I like writing by myself, but I really like writing with a co-author that I can gel with like this. It's just mm. the ability to get a, get a storyline together is just, that's, that's a lot of, it, you know, people talk about, oh, it's really fun. It really is a lot of fun to sit down and just see how it grows from like this itty bitty little thing and then she pushes it one way and I push it another way. And then between the two of us, we, you know, we've worked that ball down the end of the court and we shoot and it's in the goal. So that's how I see it. Hmm. So, um, what, what kind of, um, advice would, would you give to someone that's starting out writing? To me, it would be find a mentor. Uh, find someone who can, walk you through because there's a lot that goes on um, for instance there was a thing in the mm mm is the male male romance community where this woman she's a brand new author and she wrote a book and she just picked a title right and let's just say it was i don't know what the title was um you know and then they came something like you know, the return of the king nice and easy tolkien stuff right and as she was getting ready to do everything and she got the cover made and stuff like that she came across an ad for a a straight romance um, by the same title. So she wrote that woman and that author really ripped into her and said, like, no, you can't use this. You shouldn't use this and everything else. And that's something that she probably, which I felt bad for her because, you know, she really got a very negative response on it and she shouldn't have. But, you know, you have a, a mentor who's more experienced and can help you 
navigate certain things to tell you to, okay, did you think about this? Did you look into that? Have you checked this? Did you search that? And, and at least I can only say from the, from the MM, the male, male romance of the LGBTQ community, there was even somebody who posted today, my competition is not my other authors. And so people are very, very, very willing to help each other. And so take advantage of it. Reach out, find someone to talk to, and you know, ask them for help because we all started somewhere. We all started with somebody telling us what we needed to do and how to do it. And some of us figured some of it out on our own and passed it along. So I definitely find someone to help you because you don't have to do it alone. And there definitely are things that you don't know as a new author that you really need to know before you sabotage things. Like we, I would say Anita's fairly experienced. I've been doing this for a while as well. We, we didn't do the book launch for books one through three the right way. We pre-ordered book three far too long. And so Amazon didn't give us the rank it should have gotten. Yeah, it's almost like a rookie mistake, right? And, mm. and people told us afterwards, yeah, this is what you did. I'm like, yep, we did that. And I'm like, yep, that's what, that's what did it. So if a new author came to me, I would say, okay, don't put your pre-order up for more than two weeks. And things like just little things like that where you can help them get a better result. Right. Um, do you think it's harder to publish um, or get a book published um, being gay? Not or having gay characters, let's put it that way. So when you're writing about um, a gay couple or a gay um, a person that's saving the world or, or whatever the situation is, is that a harder book to sell and published than it would be if, if, if that character was straight? Ten years ago, I would have said yes. Um, now, I don't think so. I think now what what they're really looking I mean, it, it, it Now, I don't think it's nearly as hard. There certainly are people that say they will not buy your book. I, I remember I have you look on someone. I think they got pulled by Amazon, but I'm not sure. Whereas somebody read the first three books in the series and each one they wrote gay. Stop the gay, <laughs> stop the gay expertive in this book, right? It's like, that was like book three. They're like, stop with the gay, hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> you read the first two books. Why did you read book three if you didn't want that, right? And, 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 and so, I mean, yes. So there are that, there is that element of it where there are people that will just ding your book because it has gay characters. Um, I remember when the box set came out for the Champions God, the very first review was a one star, and it said, um, don't waste your money, this is the Bow Wow Award, right? <laughs> and really, I mean, right, it's like, okay, I mean, sure, you didn't like it. And so I, 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 don't, I don't engage, right? I just do not engage because it's, it never, never, never turns out well. But somebody else I know, someone of my friends or a fan of mine, I will say friend, but um, they're really a fan that wrote me and they said, yeah, they actually looked into it and it seemed like he had, a, the person didn't like gay people. Yeah. So, yes, if you're publishing, you have to understand that there's going to be a segment of the population that just is not going to read your book because you have gay characters. I look at that as, it doesn't, you know, if you write Christian books, there's going to be a segment of the population that won't read it because they just don't want to deal with that, right? So there's always a segment of the population you are going to turn off with your book, probably. Yeah. And so well, you're, and you're, you're putting yourself out there, right? You're, you're published. You're out right. in the public, right? So, so that's why I say, do I think it's more difficult anymore? No, because we're just, it's just another element that turns off some people. And so people, there's always, you know, it goes into the calculus, but I don't think it, it it's a, it's a, it's a, nail in the coffin like it used to be do you feel a personal attachment to your to your characters yes <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I named my dog after one of them yes um okay yeah uh, i do i just it's especially like for the fantasy series i spent 10 years writing up that, that series um and i could tell you what the character likes for lunch what he doesn't like i i, I it, it's just one of those things and it lives in my head and I didn't know just how much I was attached to them until I, I told you this, this 
fan gave me this concept for of a book, and my first thought was to say, well, it's your idea. I don't want to steal it. Why don't we write it together, and you can be the co-author? And somebody pointed out to me, like, do you really want to let somebody else write your character? And I and like, almost immediately was like, no. And so, yeah, I do have a personal attachment to them. You know, it's funny. Um, when we interviewed J.D. Horn, he, uh, he said that uh, if, you're, if you ever found yourself in one of his books and you were killed off, uh, you're someone he really doesn't like. <laughs> and and uh, and that can go from someone very very that you met just on a chance encounter to someone you've known better. So he said, you know, someone can be really rude to him in a store or something like that, and he takes and makes that person into a character and then kills them. Uh, do you find that with yourself? Do you get that involved like that way? No, um, <laughs> I mean no. I, 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 no, I thought it was funny. I just, it, it is. It is a. <laughs> Good idea, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a Good way of therapy. Kind of... I haven't thought of it. Uh, um, I don't kill a lot of people in my books, you know. <laughs> well, now you I know there's a reason. Somebody... Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes people die in 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 a romantic. Uh, maybe it's the neighbor or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's just too much effort for me on that point. Uh, no, I, I I just haven't really. I have no, I haven't, and. Uh, Hmm. Well, it's, which, who's your favorite writer then? Like, or do you do you have a favorite or a favorite type of book you like to read? That's maybe not romance; it could be anything. My favorite books I read, in terms of fantasy books, is Mercedes Lackey. I mean, for so many reasons. Just not only because she was the first person who ever um, who ever read that put gay characters in the book, but her worlds are just so incredibly detailed. I mean, she has an almanac for her worlds, and I, I, I almost feel like she lives there, and she just comes and visits us in this world. Um, I just really like her books quite a lot. Um, from romance, I, there's just, I mean, the problem with telling you which my favorite romance authors are is I have a lot of good friends in the romance community, and I am not gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna leave one of them out, but I will do a shout out to the one I really I was never a fan of westerns, of cowboy books, until I read B.A. Tortuga. And she writes gay cowboys. And I just really, I mean, she could, whatever she puts out, I read. And she and I are going to write a series together. So that was really kind of, like, that was more of me fanboying her um, than us being equals. And she said, yes, I was like running around the house. I was all excited. Uh, but I really, if you like the cowboy kind of, and if you haven't read the cowboy, gay cowboy thing, you should because it's just so different than most of the contemporary romances you're going to read. So I will give a shout out to her because I really just like her stories. Hmm. So what kind of things do you do for a good time? Like what outside of writing and work and all that stuff, when you want to, I don't know, unwind or what? what, is, what does Andy like to do? Baseball. Baseball and soccer. I'm teaching my daughter to play both. Um, she's, uh, you know, we do a lot of that. We go swimming a lot. It, it, it's weird. When you become a parent, it changes your whole perspective um, on what was good. So, but before that, we would do other things. Like my husband and I would go to movies. We would go to shows, to plays, to things like that. And now it's sort of things that we can do as a family. So I'm a big baseball fan. My grandfather, my father, they all taught me how to play baseball. My father um, recently moved out of his house and gave me his 1940s Joe DiMaggio baseball glove and sits on my table right there. I can see it. And so I'm passing it on to my daughter. And so we used to go, we go to, well, we couldn't go this year, but we would go to the minor league baseball game, which is a team near us. And um, she now she thinks that baseball is funnel cakes, ice cream in a hat and a carousel because they have all those things at the minor league games. Um, but that's, I mean, I like that sort of stuff. Um, we, I, I mean, I go in the backyard, we teach, we play wiffle ball, we kick the soccer ball. I was always a big sports fan, even when I was in high school and college, I played not much in college. I wasn't that good, but I like to think I was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I like, to, I like to get outside. I like to do things with her. I like to teach her, I like to pass on to her the things that, um, my parents taught us. Hmm. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, actually, um, 
has this whole thing like you know the 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 u.s this year you know with uh let's say covid and uh and the protests and uh dumb donnie and all that sort of stuff has that affected you in in how you you write or how you work around uh, you know a story and characters and stuff do you find it helping or hurting so far it has really stayed out of my writing only because i've i mean i don't don't know how your process is but i have probably the next two years plotted out like as of january of this year and so it would require a whole new storyline to come in and take over um i don't really i really haven't put either of those into a story i I will tell you that the whole protests over um you know police police action stuff i'm i see both sides of it I, i work with an awful lot of police officers who are extremely good people and I have stories of officers who have done maybe not quite as bad as you know as, as you see in the news, but where I look at it and say, I ain't, "I ain't charging this because I don't trust you." You know, I, and I, and my office has been very supportive of that. If they don't believe it, they don't go forward. So I'm trying to stay away from that because it cuts a little too close to home, and mm-hmm. I would rather write about something else that because I don't know what I don't I don't know where I don't know how it would be viewed coming from me does that make sense right yeah no totally but I, I you know i just wonder if um you know for me you're right you know i've got a book coming out in september and i've got um others on the works but i just think that um uh, but does it make it um darker or does it maybe make it harder to write something that's so happy when there's um so much you know negativity let's say or struggle or challenges going on around you you know, you know what I'm saying. I do. And I, and, 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 yeah, I think that if and I, I, I really don't like bringing politics into stuff, but I think if no, we no, have no. another four years of what we've had so far, I don't know how it could not. Because I feel like when you said you were in Canada, I was in Philadelphia in the early '80s when ACT UP started, right? Because of the AIDS epidemic and how nobody would, nobody cared, and, and the activism, and I've had. And people, I mean, you know, I remember when back then I remember marching in gay pride parades when I first came out because it was a matter of life and death, in my opinion, at that point. You know, we were not, we didn't have the same protections that we have now. And, and so I, I feel in a lot of ways we're inching back that way and that we're kind of at the precipice right now because there's this pushback. But if, 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 if the, the racism and the bigotry and the hatred pushes us back again the way it has the last three and a half, almost four years, I don't know. I, I, I don't – I feel like things are going to get darker, and I don't know how that doesn't creep into your writing at that point because it's part of your life. Right. How how is it in the law enforcement area? You know, because I, I I you know I love cops. I have I've had tons that I've worked with for books, and uh, for interviews and prosecutors and um, and you know you name it. Uh, so I I guess uh, do you find it an issue being gay working in the policing part? I did. Um, I remember. I remember very clearly. When we had um, we had a, um, a car a car theft auto theft unit because back in the day I, I actually until they changed the keys I, I could steal any car in the country because I, I had a big screwdriver and a brick and I could hotwire any car I learned how to do it because of my job and so there were a lot of stolen cars at that point I remember very clearly the sergeant from that unit sitting in my office making a derogatory gay joke or something I just looked at him and I said you do know that I'm gay right. And he turned five shades of red. And uh, so, yeah, it was an issue. And I've had a couple instances in my time where officers have made gay comments. And I call them on it because, like I said earlier, I'm in I'm in a very good place. My office protects us for that. And, you know, right or wrong, I have sort of an attitude of I'm the next level up on prosecuting uh, police and law enforcement. There's the officers who do the arrest. 
then there's the prosecutors who could dismiss the arrest if we think it's not good, right? And so I've always kind of had that attitude of I am the next level, maybe not higher than them, but I'm just the next step. And I don't have any problem calling that out. But yes, people have made comments to me in my presence because they, they'll they see a picture of my daughter and think I'm married, right? Right. And I am married, but they think I'm married to a woman. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of that. But I, I mean, I'm in D.C., right? I mean... DC is just a very different than, yeah. It, it just is. You yeah. can't, you can't, you can't get away with that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. I certainly noticed it, and I kept it hush for my first twelve books. And after that, I'm, I'm sort of been um, more open. But it's funny because there is there is a challenge there for a lot of areas, but. Um, Anyway, I think it's what you um, make of it. I think it's how well you present it because, you know, I'm, uh, and it also is where you come from, right? Do are you protected? Do you feel safe in your position? I always felt like my bosses would have my back, and so right. if I called them out on it, I was I was safe because they were going to support me on that. So it's, it's it's difficult. I can't, you know, maybe like I said, not the right person to ask that, but I can absolutely see people that would be afraid to do it. Yeah, it's all a point. It's all a point of where you're at. Um, what's up next for you then? Have uh, you got something in the works coming out for later this year, or are you uh, planning for next year? Pretty much planning for next year at this point. Um, it was a lot of work getting three books out. It really was, okay. um, and it was like a it was a sixty some day push. We started in the beginning, end of May, and we've been pushing through this. and And it's not a full time. I can't write full time. I have a job and I have now, now that we're at home, I'm actually part-time teaching my daughter because everything's remote where we are. Our, our, our school district is going completely remote, but I have, um, we, we are, we are about halfway through the next book in the Harrison campus series. Um, I'm about halfway through the book after that, because that was the one I wanted to write. And when I was struggling with the next book, um, Anita told me to just go start with the other one and We'll come back to this and we'll work it out. So there's at least two more books in the Harrison Campus series that should be out before within the next 12 months. And then I have a deadline that I haven't even started really on, but uh, a really good friend of mine who is a mystery writer, um, she started in mystery. Now she writes um, humor, humorous fantasy. Um, her name, can, I, can, I give a, can I give a shout out to her? Sure. So it's Megan Maslow. She writes um, the... Starfig series, which is just amazing. It's just a really great fantasy series with great characters. But she got her start in mystery. And so she is doing um, a shared world fantasy, paranormal kind of thing. And so she got me to uh, agree to work on it. But it's a shared world paranormal romance or fantasy romance. So it's definitely a romance. So it's an Andy Gallo book, not an Andrew Q. Gordon and um, so that's I have a I have a hard date. I mean that that has to be released in, in March of uh, 2021. So I've got to finish that sooner than later. Get to work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you, now do you have a website people can come find you at, or do you not do that? I do. Um, I have two actually, but um, AndyGallo.com um, Andy is my romance site. So it's A N D Y G A L L O dot com. That's my romance site. And for my fantasy work, it's andrewqgordon.com. So it's A-N-D-R-E-W-Q-G-R-O-R-G-O-R-D-O-N.com. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, we're going to have that up on our website as well so people can come find you and one-click if they're listening and pick up your book or go to your website. If they, or they can email me if they have any questions. I actually answer my emails. There you go. I'll hand out his phone number for you. Later <laughs> too. No. Yeah. Um, so our guest is Gallo. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. 
Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.